Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Weekly Rundown presented by the Minnesota Daily. I'm your host, Nolan O'Hara. We're two weeks into the Gophers football season now, and so once again, I'm joined with Brendan O'Brien, our football beat reporter. How's it going, Brendan? I'm doing well, Nolan. Loving this uh, different weather that we are used to uh, having in November, so it's been great for me, but I know that it won't uh, last too much longer. No, but I think it is supposed to be like 70 on Friday, so I'm looking forward to that. And, I mean, it's nice that just all the snow melted. Mm-hmm. Pretty pretty happy about the way the uh, the weather is going. Yeah. But, yeah, looking at the Gophers football team, we're two weeks in, and it's not exactly what I, at least I expected. Um, the Gophers lost two games all of last year. They've already matched that total in the first two weeks of this condensed Big Ten season. They lost to Michigan week one, 49-24. Um, I certainly wasn't shocked about that one. It, Michigan is a good team. I could have seen that game go either way. I thought it would have been a little bit tighter, but I'm not surprised. And then looking at Friday's game, that one that one definitely surprised me. Um, they started off in a big hole. I was you know, at a high school football game. They announced it over the loudspeaker, 21-0 Maryland. I was like, what is going on? And the Gophers came back unshockingly, but they eventually fell 45-44 in overtime in a very tight game. Um, were you as surprised as I was by this one? Uh, I wasn't surprised that Maryland found ways um, to score against the Gophers' defense given what we saw uh, in week one against Michigan. But I was surprised that for the first three drives, like you had mentioned, you uh, heard over the loudspeaker that it was 21 nothing. I was surprised those first three drives, Maryland was able to pretty much score almost at will on the Gophers. Uh, it looked like some players on defense um, weren't necessarily in the right spots, either blown coverages or on runs, just not um, hitting uh, the right angle or taking the right angles. Um, I know we'll get to that in a, a little bit uh, later. Uh, more in-depth, but uh, overall, yes, I'm surprised that they're sitting at 0-2, just given, um, you know, Maryland's uh, previous game and how they played last season, but um, obviously uh, they were spot on with um, the talent that Maryland has on offense. Uh, Tagovailoa looked really good, and they had um, some good playmakers at wide receiver as well. Yeah, Talia Tagovailoa making a lot of plays, um, looking a little bit sharper than he did in that first game against Northwestern. But going into this game, we we're kind of looking at it as a bounce-back week for the Gophers. You know, Maryland got blown out. The Gophers lost to Michigan and kind of expected them to take it to Maryland, similarly to how Northwestern did. Um, I thought, like you said, we kind of both said – Maryland's going to be able to score. This the Gophers' defense is not the same as it was losing seven starters last year, including a lot of the NFL talent that did leave. Um, we questioned it, but we didn't. I don't know if we saw quite this coming. Um, what did you see as like the biggest challenge for this defense overall in this game on Friday? And has PJ or any of the other coaches said anything to kind of address what's happening defensively? The biggest uh, problem that I think is evident to anyone that's watching um, the games are just the big plays that the defense is giving up. Um, there's been a lot of bigger chunk plays, whether it was that long run that Tagovailoa had for a touchdown or it's just you know first and 10 and they uh, throw it and they pick up 15 yards and then they'll uh, be first and 10 again and they'll run it for another seven or eight yards and put um, their own offense in um, good positions. Um, 
what PJ's basically said is one, like you uh, quickly mentioned there, they did lose a lot of experience and kind of uh, doing some prep before this. I did kind of remember just besides the guys they've lost to the NFL, they have, you know, Martin's gone and Thomas Barber gone, two big keys at linebacker. You've got Carter Coughlin at an edge rusher, but you also have experienced guys like Winston Delatabo Deer, Sam Renner, um, and then obviously Antoine Winfield Jr., who's looking like a um, defensive rookie of the year candidate in the NFL. Knowing that you've got that kind of talent that's now all of a sudden gone and you've got other players coming in, it does make sense why um, their weakness would be just their inexperience um, compared to the um, defensive players they had last year. And so what PJ's really um, said is it's simply that they are a developmental program and they just need to make sure that these guys keep getting reps and that obviously in a COVID-19 season and a shortened condensed season, when you start out with big 10 opponents right away, that it's going to look a little bit different than it would in a uh, traditional season. Yeah. Looking at like some of the inexperience you mentioned, they lost kind of players on all levels. They lost obviously star safety. They lost some corners. They lost some linebackers. They lost some defensive line. I think, I didn't see all of the Maryland games, so kind of fill me in here. In the first game against Michigan, there wasn't really a ton of a pass rush. Um, Boy Mafe got to got to um, Joe Milton, I think once, maybe twice. But other than that, it seemed like they were pretty comfortable back there. What was it like against Maryland? Yeah, for the most part, um, in my opinion, there wasn't as much of a pass rush either. There were some times where... Um, I think one of the broadcasters actually mentioned this. Um, I might be wrong, but one of them mentioned that on one of Taulia Tagovailoa's long runs, um, the edge rushers actually over-pursued and then uh, got behind the quarterback and then caused a uh, big running lane. Um, so it's one of those things, uh, the defensive line, it, just from my understanding, obviously coaches and players obviously know a lot more uh, football than I do, but it's one of those balances between do you – uh, pursue a quarterback, uh, you know, aggressively, or do you let them uh, kind of sit back and let them uh, sit in the pocket and um, not address those uh, running lanes? Uh, and then it just puts your second level guys um, in spots where it's tough for them to make plays as well. Yeah, it's um, it'll be interesting to see what they can kind of work out with this with this defense. There isn't too many positives you can take from looking at giving up, you know, 49 to Michigan and 45 the next week to Maryland. Um, but offensively, the Gophers definitely seem to be clicking. Tanner Morgan has looked pretty good through his first two games. He only threw the ball 15 times against Maryland, but he didn't turn it over, had a touchdown pass. Um, you know, kind of surprisingly, Chris Ottman-Bell was the leading receiver for the Gophers with over 100 yards and a touchdown. Um, Bateman wasn't as involved, but he had over 100 yards in the first game. So it looks like both, you know, through the air and on the ground – you're looking at Mohamed Ibrahim, who had 41 carries for 207 yards and four touchdowns, carrying the team on his back. Um, you wrote about his performance, you know, after the game. What can you say about the way he's just kind of stepped up these first two weeks for Minnesota? So, Ibrahim is a guy that we talked about quite a bit in the uh, preseason, and um, we said that he'd probably be the guy that's at the top of the running back depth chart, but we'd expect other guys to get some work given what we've seen in the past to just, and what, um, you know, PJ, uh, offense has looked like, um, while at Minnesota. And 
it's been surprising, and it was addressed this week, um, why you know he gave uh, Ibrahim the ball a lot. And a lot of it comes down to what he, information he's getting and how much of a how much he likes Ibrahim as a player. Um, and he mentioned that he you know in the next couple of weeks we could see more of Trace and Potts and Cam Wiley because those are two. Um, extremely uh, talented running backs um, as well uh, is what he said. But what Flex said uh, after the, well, this week, not necessarily directly after the game, he did say that he just felt like Ibrahim was in a groove and wanted to just keep giving him the ball. He saw what he was doing offensively um, on the ground and helping not only just create yardage and create scores, but also uh, turn the clock keep the defense off the field and help the Gophers get back into this game um, in a less conventional way than just uh, throwing down the field and trying to uh, pick up some quick scores. So it, in my opinion, it looked like by the end of the game, and this isn't you know um, a knock on Ibrahim, he just looked gassed. He looked really tired uh, after the 41 touches, so it wouldn't be a surprising move uh, to see him get a little bit less touches um, in the next few games. Um, and see Wiley and Potts, but again, uh, just to kind of put a cap and I'll uh, cap this all off, is that Fleck has said a lot of his decisions this year have also come down to trust, and how much does he trust some younger backs in a shortened season? And he's also just said it's a shortened season, so we're just gonna try to work everyone as uh, soon as we can. Yeah, if I think 41 carries uh, that would definitely wear somebody out. Um, there's a wild. <laughs> Wild to see that that many carries, especially. You talked a little bit about um, getting some of these other running backs involved. Is that going to be one of the goals? And then I also want to address you saying, you know, trying to keep the defense off the field, um, which is pretty good for this this team. You don't really want to see the defense on the field too much. Do you think both like running the ball effectively, trying to you know keep digging away at that clock? Do you think that'll be kind of one of the keys for the team the rest of the year here? I think it'll be a key, but I think, and this is something um, that we'll probably get to a little bit later in this uh, next upcoming matchup, um, but I think what they're going to have to do is establish the run game, but also find ways to get um, production from their receivers, um, because one, obviously we know Bateman is projected to be a first-round draft pick, so he's obviously very talented, and then Chris Ottman-Bell showed us against Maryland and he he showed sparks last year as well but just um obviously being the third receiver behind Johnson and Bateman um just didn't have as much production as uh the other two last year um but when you run the ball so much as they did then you got to expect the other team to make adjustments and they ran the ball heavily in the second and third quarters and then by the fourth quarter um, Maryland adjusted and they were able to um, shut down the Gophers offense. So I think moving forward, it's going to be a key for them to establish um, the run just as a way to keep their defense off the field, give them opportunities to um, just get make their own adjustments, maybe catch a breather if they're tired. If that's part of it, they haven't said that, oh, the defense has been really tired. That's why they're giving up points. But then they're going to have to find other ways um, to do it rather than just running Ibrahim uh, 41 times on uh, similar plays as well if um, teams like Maryland are going to adjust to that pretty quickly. 
Right, and just running 41 times a game, that's not going to be sustainable for this or any team, no matter how good your running back is. Um, and clearly Fleck trusts Ibrahim, but it's that's just not going to be the, the model to for this team this year. Um, but just kind of moving to the offense overall, between the way Tanner Morgan, the passing offense, has looked, and then Ibrahim in the backfield, what have you thought or what has PJ or Sanford said about the way things are kind of going offensively these first two weeks? I think overall they're happy, maybe not satisfied with the way things have gone. Um, obviously the Michigan game um, in week one, they prob- they've they mentioned that they wanted to execute a little bit better. And, and if they had um, made a few plays in that first half, they think that they would have had a better chance and they would have um, – been in that game for uh, quite a while um, and wouldn't have put uh, their defense or special teams in as uh, tight of positions. But, I mean, they put up, you know, 44 points, 43 points in the loss to Maryland. So when you're doing that, you're obviously uh, doing something right on offense. Um, they haven't had, you know, obviously a defensive score this year. So they're playing well on offense. But I think the biggest thing, the biggest takeaway from the Maryland game, and we kind of hit on, you need to close that game out with your offense. They had their offense on the field, um, and they were, uh, instead of being able to drive it down, either kick a field goal or uh, score a touchdown uh, to give them a little bit more of a lead, they uh, had to go, uh, I believe, three and out. Maybe they um, converted one quick first down, but they weren't able to uh, finish the job with their offense. So I think... um, Moving forward, if they're in some more of these close games, they'll need their offense to um, kind of close it out and make sure that um, they're able to kind of be the reason they're, uh, this team is winning. And they're going to be, if they w- win other games this season, they're going to be the reason this team wins games. Absolutely. And that's kind of, you know, a nice segue into, you know, getting stopped third and uh, three and out is kind of a nice segue into the special teams unit um, because after the game against Michigan, we noticed, you know, during the game that Mark Crawford and Michael Lance were out. PJ announced after that they both were out because of COVID. Lance returned this week for kickoffs, but not field goals. And Crawford was still out, if I'm remembering correctly. We don't really know a timetable on him. Um, and we saw, obviously, Walker miss the extra point in overtime that would have kept the game alive. Pretty big play in that game. Um what did you think? Was it better, worse, comparable, the special teams play on Friday? And has PJ given any updates on when Crawford might be back? I think uh, to answer your first question, just about special teams in general, I think it's fairly comparable, except it didn't really put the team in a noticeable hole other than the last play of the game. Um, and uh, to PJ's credit, or you know, just what he said um, after the game is that the reason they didn't they lost that game was not because of uh, the missed extra point. It was just because they shouldn't have been in that position in the first place. Their defense should have played better offensively. Obviously, they should have closed it out. Um, but punting, it, the situation didn't look um, great. They weren't necessarily hitting booming punts, pinning Maryland uh, deep in their own uh, territory. But um, it wasn't something that w- that noticeably uh, hurt the Gophers. Lance on the kickoffs actually did um, kind of help because they were able to get some depth rather than um, the squibs that we saw in week one. Um, 
As far as updates, we haven't uh, had any really on uh, Lance or Crawford. Um, maybe now with Lance having that uh, week two under his belt, maybe he'll uh, kick extra points now against Illinois. Um, it would make sense, some sense if uh, Fleck and the special team staff just didn't want to put him out on extra points, um, given maybe his lack of uh, practice uh, with COVID. Um, but um, he hasn't uh, given us any uh, kind of timetable as far as uh, Crawford being back. But overall, from the special teams unit, what I'm hearing, not great, not terrible. Um, doesn't sound like there were, you know, obviously more squib clicks, like you said, and no more 18-yard punts, I'm assuming? Uh I don't have the exact stats uh, in front of me. I do remember there were a few where they could have went, or you would have liked them to go a little bit farther if you were a Gophers fan. But uh, overall, um, it wasn't as noticeable of a difference. And, I mean, they didn't uh, have to fake a punt. Um, And obviously, you know, I think why I'm also kind of uh, having a hard time remembering is because after the first quarter, the Gophers really didn't have to punt um, too much. Obviously, their offense got going uh, behind Ibrahim. So um, if they can just obviously do that, that would be a good way to uh, alleviate the punting situation as well. Absolutely. You just need to pick up first downs, and then you don't have to uh, don't have to punt away. And honestly, it just feels like a lifetime ago that that game was even. So I definitely understand not remembering super clearly. Um but overall, right now, you know, this team, it's got some issues on special teams, certainly on defense, and then, well, offensively right now, it seems they have it figured out. But kind of looking to Saturday against Illinois here, what needs to be fixed and what have some of the coaches, either PJ or Sanford or Rossi, said about this matchup? I think the one thing, and it's obviously really simple uh, for us to sit here and say um, rather than go out and obviously have um, them execute it. But, um, and it's, it is pretty obvious, but it's keeping the other teams out of the end zone um, instead of letting them just run all over you and find, um, you know, an easy way to six, seven points um, on each possession. Um, If they were able to tighten up in that zone, I think in the red zone or the goal line, um, they're again, they're playing complimentary football. They know their offense can score points. So if they can limit teams to field goals, um, it's going to be a lot easier. And the reason I say keep teams out of the end zone is because right now what we've seen, it's going to be hard for them to even get stops and have them have the other team, um, forced to punt. So I think it's, it's obviously, a team's main priority to uh, get punts uh, when you're on defense. But I think, you know, given where they're at right now is, and on how they're playing on defense, giving up big chunk plays, I think uh, a specific goal would be against Illinois. If they get to their own 20, their own 10, we're keeping them out of the end zone and we're going to force them to kick a field goal. Um, because then the other thing is, in the NFL, we'll see kickers that will usually, you know, for the most part, they'll make field goals. If it, if the weather is bad, um, maybe we'll see a miss, and we'll see some misses uh, every now and then. But we saw against Michigan, they had three field goal attempts, and Michigan missed all of them. I think the kicking game is a lot different in college football. Special teams, we kind of hit on that. Just They need to make sure they're managing the field position as best as they uh, possibly can. So if they're punting it, just you know, not putting their defense in um, poor situations. 
And then this Saturday against Illinois, I think one of the things that um, might need to be fixed would be throwing a little bit more to receivers. Uh, Illinois secondary so far this year has not been good um, against Wisconsin. A primarily, they're primarily known for their rushing attack. They threw for 248 yards, not a ton, but they threw for more yards than um, they rushed for. And then against Purdue, they gave up uh, 371 passing yards. So they've given up a lot of yards um, in that secondary within the first two games. So I think last week we said Minnesota will need to run the ball a lot against Maryland because Maryland's run defense um, has been suspect. Well, this week, Illinois' pass defense has been suspect. So it's not that they're going to turn away from the run game, but you know, lean on the run game and then get in situations where um, you're putting the uh, opponent's defense on their toes and uh, able to um, throw uh, some passes to Amon Bell and uh, Bateman as well. Right, so it's an opportunity this week for Tanner Morgan and company to kind of get things going. We saw, you know, Ibrahim shine last week. It'll be time for for the passing attack to go to work here. Um, and just kind of looking at the Illinois side, I mean, they're in the same boat as Minnesota. They're 0-2. Um, they got blown out week one by Wisconsin, lost by only a touchdown last week to Purdue. Um, what do we know about this Illini team kind of overall? Uh, the first thing that really stood out to me um, when kind of doing a little bit of research about them was uh, they've had they've been bit by the injury and um, COVID bug. They've had um, some players that have been out um, due to this. I believe they're playing a four-stringer at quarterback. At least that's what they did against Purdue. Uh, Corin Taylor, um, he redshirted as a freshman, and then he played in one quarter as a sophomore. Um, so obviously when you look at that, we talked last week about Tagovailoa being a younger quarterback. Maybe they could take advantage of, um, him and try to get, uh, him rattled. Obviously that really didn't happen this week when you're playing against a guy who's, um, that low on the depth chart, either third or fourth string, um, you would think again, that'd be an opportunity. Let's try to get after him, get some pressure, um, and maybe see if we can get, couple of sacks, uh, forced fumble, uh, turnovers like that. Illinois, speaking of turnovers, has lost the turnover battle uh, thus far. Six to three, they gave up four turnovers against Purdue last week. Um, so that's something uh, to keep an eye out for. Um, six turnovers in two games is uh, a lot so far. Um, we mentioned the bad secondary. And their offense, uh, for the most part, I mean, obviously week one, they uh got blown out by Wisconsin, and their only um, score was actually a fumble recovery for a touchdown, so they didn't even um, score offensively. But against Purdue, they played uh, pretty well. They did have to play catch-up, so the stats might look a little bit better than they might have actually been at uh, certain points. Um, But that's kind of what um, we know um, on the outset about this um, Illini team. Yeah, and kind of looking at it from the outside, they just they don't look like a great team. Um, but neither did Maryland. And PJ Flex said last week, you know, that they're not looking over this Maryland team. They think they're going to be a lot better this week than what they showed against Northwestern. He turned out to be right about that. It just turns out they weren't quite prepared enough. Um, what has he said about this Saturday's game against Illinois? 
they haven't really said um, anything specific about this team other than the normal, um, you know, coach player compliments. They're really well coached team. They've got a lot of talent. Um, they're very, you know, focused. A lot of, um, you know, basic compliments uh, to the other team. Um, and that makes sense. Um, that's kind of this program's MO. They usually um, will compliment, you know, other teams and take other teams seriously. And they've got the, um, and the whole culture about it's their O and O in the Illinois season, their O and one in the Maryland season, O and one in the Michigan season. So they're going to take this opponent seriously, but they haven't said any um, specifics as far as um, which players they're going to key on or um, what they think they can um, take advantage uh, of going into this week. But I would imagine, again, given um, the statistics, they. Their offense should find ways to um, take advantage of Illinois' defense. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting game, especially with like you said, the fourth string quarterback here for Illinois. Um, what they can kind of put up here. Um, but that being said, you know what is the key for each team to come out with a victory? What's the key for Illinois behind this young quarterback, and what's the key for this Gophers team that's really? looking to get back on track after a not expected start to the season? Uh, for the Gophers, it's making sure that um, you're, you get out to a good start offensively and defensively, again, like I said, just keep let's keep Illinois out of the end zone has got to be um, the defensive mindset. Um, for Illinois, the biggest uh, key this week, especially with the young quarterback, is – making sure that you don't turn the ball over. And that's not just him, but that's everyone, you know, making sure running backs aren't turning the ball over, um, fumbling it, receivers aren't fumbling it, um, and that he's not throwing, um, you know, costly interceptions. Um, because that's one thing that this Minnesota team that we've seen so far, they've only uh, been able to create. Um, they obviously had the blocked punt. Um, that's a little bit different because it was going to be um, their ball. Uh, but then they got the uh, tipped interception by the defensive tackle um, last uh, week. Uh, so they haven't really been able to get those spark plays um, from their defense. So if Illinois is able to not turn the ball over like they have in these first few weeks and, um, you know, make it easier for this uh, defense, then that'll be um, a big key for them. Yeah, absolutely. Um I don't know. We've been pretty bad with these predictions so far. You know, we both picked the Gophers the last two weeks, neither of which panned out. Do you have a score prediction for this week? This is probably, I'm just looking at the schedule just to confirm because we talked a little bit about this beforehand too. This is probably going to be the last week I'll pick the Gophers if they are to lose this game just because right now I also don't know what to make of a lot of these other Big Ten opponents. Illinois, they're never a team that you're that threatened of. But again, with this Gophers defense, they haven't instilled any hope in uh, uh, fans. So I would go, I'm going to pick the Gophers mainly because of the um, young quarterback play from uh, Illinois. And not only the young quarterback play, but if he he's a junior and if he's that far down on the depth chart, you know, who knows why if uh, the other guys are just that much more talented or if he's just um, the third or fourth string. So I would go with Minnesota 
37, Illinois, 29. 37-29, Minnesota. Yeah, I was leaning against picking Minnesota after the last two weeks, but because Illinois is on their fourth-string quarterback and, frankly, not the team, they haven't been the historically the best Big Ten team. Um, I'm going to say 42-35 Minnesota. So I think it's going to be close. I think Illinois is going to be able to score regardless of the young quarterback play. But I think the Gophers should be able to come out with this one, although we said the same thing last week against Maryland. So, well, we'll see what happens. And, you know, be sure to check our website, mndaily.com, on Saturday for our coverage of the Gophers game. Um, we'll have the coverage for you. Brendan will have the instant breakdown here against Illinois, and uh, he'll be keeping us updated throughout the game on Twitter as well. Um, Appreciate everyone tuning in, and Brendan, thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you, Nolan. In other news, the Gophers men's basketball team still doesn't have its schedule, but it does have a game. Minnesota will take on Boston College in the Big Ten ACC Challenge on December 8th at the bar. The Gophers women's basketball team announced two departures in Barbara Tomonkova and Deja Woodard. Wayland said Woodard had informed her that she will no longer be with the program, but no other details were provided in the immediate release. Woodard had previously transferred to the University of Utah. That's all for this week. Be sure to check our website, mndaily.com, for more info about other sports, and tune in again next week to get the weekly rundown on all things Gopher Sports.